You're listening to Trademarks Made Easy. Trademarks Made Easy is the podcast focused on helping brand owners in the e-commerce space. With your host, Susie Hickson, the private label lawyer. But don't worry, you won't find too much legalese here. Well, hey there. I'm your host, Susie Hickson, also known as the private label lawyer. I'm doing something a little bit different in today's podcast. Today, I'm talking about a couple trademarks that I absolutely love and why. Strawsome and Somersault. Not only are these two great brand names with two great missions, I just love their brand names. And remember, that brand name is the anchor or the tether from the products to the brands themselves. So not only are these trademarks unique and impressionable, but they also make their customers, including me, smile. I love brand names that elicit that emotional response in consumers. And as a consumer of both of these brands, they've certainly elicited an emotional response in me. And I'll be going back time and again to purchase from these companies, either for myself or for gifts. So enjoy today's episode and I'll see you on the other side. I want this to be very casual and informative and I'm going to start doing these trailblazing trademark Facebook live events maybe about once a week. And of course, one of the big things I want to do, and I mentioned this earlier when I was doing a little testing, was that the big goal of this is to educate you all on how to select a really strong trademark from both the marketing and the legal perspective. And I harp on this a lot. I talk about it a lot that sometimes legal and sometimes marketing seem to sort of disagree with each other. Back in the olden days when I was a new trademark attorney, I worked in a law firm and I got the opportunity to also work with a lot of marketing departments. And they would come to me with these trademarks. They, you know, kind of had their own in-house trademark brainstorming sessions. Sometimes they had some really great trademarks, but sometimes they had really bad trademarks. Usually the issues that I saw were trademarks that were too descriptive of what the underlying product or service was, or they didn't do their own internal preliminary or cursory or knockout searches. Also call those quick and dirty searches. So they didn't do those internally, and so they'd send them off to the attorneys. And obviously we would have to charge for that, and they could have saved money at the beginning by being able to do their own. As a result of all of this, I got the idea of going into the marketing departments and talking with people about how to select strong trademarks. And I've ultimately transitioned this into my own trademark trailblazer course, which is coming out. But what I want to do with these Facebook Lives is whether or not you purchase the course or not, I want to try to give everyone who's here and watches the recording some really great, tangible actionable, practical information and guidance on selecting strong trademarks. So I should probably say that 
What we're going to be talking about today is not legal advice. It is guidance, and you should hire your own trademark attorney if you need assistance in clearing trademarks and if you need help filing your trademark application with the USPTO. And that also actually brings me to sort of a side note that Starting on August 3rd, if you are not a citizen of the U.S., you're going to have to hire a U.S. attorney to help you with the prosecution or the application of your trademarks before the USPTO. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, what the heck is this? This is bullcrap. <laughs> but it's really actually a great thing that the USPTO is doing because there are just too many baseless filings that are going on with the USPTO from foreign applicants and hiring U.S. counsel will hopefully kind of stimmy that a little bit. Unfortunately, I've had a couple of clients who've had meritless cancellation proceedings filed against them that probably would not have otherwise been filed if the entity that made the filing had hired a U.S. attorney. It probably would have never happened. And if they had hired a U.S. attorney, it certainly would have been a lot easier to have conversations about what the concerns were with the trademarks. And hopefully we could come to an amicable resolution. In those situations, I tried and tried to get a hold of the entity that filed the cancellation proceedings, and they were non-responsive. And when they file a cancellation proceeding, we eventually have to have what's called a pre-discovery conference call. I was never able to get them to have that with me, and so I was able to get those cancellation proceedings dismissed. But unfortunately, at the same time, the clients ended up incurring fees that they should not have otherwise have had to deal with. So that's sort of an aside on trademark filings. Again, if you are not located in the U.S. or if you're not a U.S. citizen, you're going to have to hire a U.S. attorney to help you with that. I think it's a good rule change, and actually it's going to be aligned with many foreign jurisdictions. I, If I work on foreign applications with for my clients, I have to hire. We have to hire foreign-based attorneys in those jurisdictions, so it's not completely absurd that we are doing this now. So yay for <laughs> the, the USPTO to actually be really kind of laying down the law. And one other interesting development that I'm going to talk about before I get into a couple of totally awesome trademarks is the USPTO can now no longer refuse trademark applications on the basis of them being immoral or scandalous. So how effing cool is that? <laughs> so if you if you're really wanting to put an immoral or scandalous element in your trademark, you can do that now. The reasoning, and this was this was held by the United States Supreme Court, the highest law of the land. The, the basis was that it's a violation of the First Amendment right. So that's kind of cool. And I've always had an issue with the, this as a refusal basis. Even when I first started practicing trademark law, I was like, this is, this is a bunch of crap because what might be immoral or scandalous to one person is totally fine to others. So it's been a long time coming, but thankfully the USPTO can never refuse registration on that basis. Great news. Now, of course, I teach not only the legal considerations, but also the marketing considerations. So make sure you know your market. 
kind of what they expect from you as a brand before you use a scandalous or immoral term in your trademark. It might not really fly from a marketing perspective. It might be awesome from a marketing perspective for you. You might get a ton of buzz about it. So just proceed with caution. But the good news is it can't be refused registration at the USPTO on that basis, immoral or scandalous. Of course, it could be refused for other reasons, but that's not one of them. So yay for the United States Supreme Court on this one. Okay, on to some fun trademarks that I wanted to talk with you all about today. So the first one is the trademark Summer Salt. So this company, S-U-M-M-E-R-S-A-L-T, they make or they um, sell these beautiful bathing suits. I sound like I work for them. I have no affiliation. They're not even a client. <laughs> but um, they sell amazing, beautiful bathing suits for lots of different body types. So I think that's really cool. They even do a bathing suit for women who want to fully cover. I think that's cool. It doesn't matter what shape or size you are. They have a bathing suit for you. And I generally tell people when you're selecting a trademark to be really careful about misspellings in trademarks. I don't necessarily like misspellings in trademarks because it makes it difficult to search, especially now with having voice-enabled searches that's becoming more and more popular, especially on Amazon. But I know that I've searched on Google quite often doing voice search, and I am concerned with misspellings. You know, it's kind of, I don't necessarily want to say it's a misspelling in this situation, but the S-A-L-T is, this is a misspelling of the word somersault. So if you've ever done gymnastics, like it's a forward roll, I would think. But it's sort of a fun play on words. And I look at it as more of a fun play on words rather than an, an intentional misspelling. And don't ever try to do misspellings in an effort to avoid a likelihood of confusion refusal if you do a search and you see another somewhat similar trademark if you if you try to do something kind of fancy or cute and you try to do just like clever misspelling of an of another trademark then it's you can still be issued a likelihood of confusion refusal generally misspellings are not going to help you overcome um a likelihood of confusion with another mark. So select another trademark. But I'm going to give this company a big exception and a big props for not only their beautiful branding, but also what they're doing. I think that their website is S-U-M-M-E-R-S-A-L-T. They are located, actually, I'm not really sure where they're located. I did look to see what their registration information stated about the owner, the owner is Somersault LLC, and they're they're actually located, or the business is located in St. Louis, Missouri. So, whoo, yay, Midwest. <laughs> I love it. And it looks like that the um, co-founder is Lori Coulter and Reshma Chatteram Chamberlain. So, I'd like to give a big shout out to these two ladies that did a great job with their branding. They did a great job with their trademark and just they put out this beautiful catalog that is, you know, like I said, they the cool thing about it is that they make bathing suits for lots of different people. And, you know, if you're like, if you're a really short torso or if you're larger in one part of your body than others, then they are going to help you with a rad bathing suit. Again, I don't work for this company, not affiliate, affiliated in any way, 
they're not even my client, but I think they are awesome. And if you are a brand owner and you do want me to feature your totally awesome trademark on Trailblazing Trademarks, just shoot me an email, suzy at theprivatelabellawyer.com, and I'll take a look at it and see if it is worthy of being a totally awesome trademark, a trailblazing trademark. So another trademark that I want to talk about is um, from a company called Strawson. And Strawson makes these beautiful glass straws. They're not cheap, but the cool thing about these is that, you know, you don't throw them away. They don't end up in landfills and they have really cool designs. Their website is strawsome.com. Again, I'm not affiliated with them at all. They're not a client. I have spoken with one of the owners. They're fantastic. They're doing some really cool things. But the, one of the reasons I like this trademark is that it's just, it's like a pure portmanteau. And that's spelled, oh my gosh, don't make me spell that. Port, P-O-R-T-M-A-N-T-E-A-U, portmanteau. So make sure that you look up portmanteaus. I think that portmanteaus are really the sweet spot of the sweet spot when, when it comes to create, creating trademarks. I always say that the best trademarks are trademarks that are actually created and not necessarily selected or found. So a portmanteau is when you have two different words and you kind of squish them together. And we use these fairly often and we might not even really realize that we're using them because some portmanteaus have become so ingrained in our general conversations that we don't realize that they're portmanteau. So an example would be brunch, which is the word brunch and breakfast and lunch. Another example would be spork, which would be spoon and fork. You know, those silly looking things that have like a spoon with some prongs on it. That's a spork. So what I suggest when you are going down the road of creating a trademark, assuming that you don't want an arbitrary mark, which is basically an arbitrary term is when you have a real word associated with your product or services, but it doesn't actually describe it in any way. So an arbitrary term could be Apple for computers. That's an example of an arbitrary trademark. I think that arbitrary trademarks are getting harder to protect and enforce, but portmanteaus, which are actually sort of suggestive terms, are, are really that sweet spot of the sweet spot, like I said. So if you could think of maybe a couple of elements that allude to or describe your underlying product and kind of squish them together, then you might be able to come up with your own portmanteau. And strawsome is such a great example of that. You're taking the word straw, which is what it, that's what it is. It's a glass straw and it's awesome. So strawsome, like I said, it's a great job on trademark creation in that situation. So huge shout out to the people over at Strawsome and their beautiful glass straws. Now, I also want to talk about a trademark fail <laughs> because trademark fails and understanding trademark fails and why certain trademarks get rejected is really important to know whenever you are going through your own brand name selection or creation process. Now, I've been doing this for a while, so I can usually look at a trademark pretty quickly and know like what the issues are going to be, particularly from the legal perspective. I may or may not know what your particular market wants, 
but unless we discuss that but i do know when i look at a trademark that it may you know have some issues during the application process and obviously getting those trademarks registered is just really half the battle so a trademark that i recently came across that i have some issues with i'm pulling this up it's called toddler t-o-d-d-l-e toddler copenhagen and they sell tableware like forks knives spoons razors and hunting knives and they also have a pending application for household or kitchen utensils so when they filed this application with the uspto it was rejected uh, multiple times on the basis that it's geographically deceptive (laughs) and not only were they issued multiple refusals on this basis the owners appealed to the trademark trial and appeals board who agreed with the examining attorney that toddler copenhagen is geographically deceptive and this is something I really tell people like if you just just be very cautious if you want to use a geographic indicator as a part of your trademark. These made a little more sense like years and years ago before the rise of e-commerce, but now people don't really care as much about where a product came from. Now there are exceptions and there are exceptions to exceptions, but this trademark toddler Copenhagen I was refused because it has the element Copenhagen um, because it is geographically deceptive. And I'm going to talk a little bit about this process. So basically, the applicant, the owner of Toddler Copenhagen, said that because the Copenhagen style is well understood in design, which I don't know what that means, maybe something minimalist, I'm not really sure. Um, But they argue that the mark does not refer to the geographic location itself so as to deceive customers. And I think that that was actually a pretty good argument. But the Trademark Trial and Appeals Board just didn't buy it, and they unanimously affirmed that refusal to register the mark. Again, they sided with the examining attorney. And from my experience, the Trademark Trial and Appeals Board sides with an examining attorney 75% of the time, if not more. So just keep that in mind. But marks that that this geographically deceptive (laughs) refusal prohibits registration of a mark that when used on or connection with the goods of the applicant is primarily geographically deceptively misdescriptive of them. (laughs) Again, that's that's quite a mouthful, but marks that meet the following four criteria are barred from registration. So they have to meet the four criteria that I'm going to go into. The primary significance of the mark is a generally known geographic place. So that that first one really cuts against the applicant here because Copenhagen is a fairly well-known geographic location. The goods do not originate in the place identified in the mark. The applicant admitted that our goods do not originate here. So another one that really cut against the applicant. Purchasers would be likely to believe that the goods originate in the geographic place identified in the mark. The board held that purchasers would likely believe that the goods originated in Copenhagen when in fact they did not, therefore leading to that deceptively misdescriptiveness. And then finally, the misrepresentation would be a material factor in a substantial part of the relevant consumer's decision to buy those goods. So 
people would look at that and be like, oh, this product came from Copenhagen, so I'm going to buy these kitchen utensils. Just keep in mind that anytime you're using a geographic indicator, you could run into issues with the USPTO. If you're just starting out with trademark selection, then in most situations, it makes sense to avoid geographically descriptive terms. Of course, I harp on not using uh, descriptive terms, obviously, but geographically descriptive terms are sort of a subset of that. And that's actually something that I go into in my course. But there is a little tip here that whenever you're arguing something with the Trademark Trial and Appeals Board, you have to be really careful about properly attaching and including your exhibits. And that's something that the applicant failed to do here. And that's why it is sometimes helpful to have an attorney help you with submitting the proper exhibits during the trademark application process because it could help you in the future and you're not necessarily seeing all of the practical implications of failing to provide proper evidence to substantiate your argument. So those are my three trademarks that I wanted to talk about today. The two trailblazing trademarks, again, somersault, which is a fun play on words of the word somersault but using the ter- the word spelled as S-U-M-M-E-R and SALT, S-A-L-T, how fun that is. One thing I wanted to mention too, I thought was kind of cool about this, uh, about the design of the mark. Of course, it's the A is a standard character, but in the the logo, they have the A upside down. I think that's kind of fun and um, just kind of makes that mark a little bit more impressionable. Again, the other fantastic, totally awesome trademark is Strawsome. So make sure you go check them out and support them if you want to. And then finally, the trademark fail of of the day is this geographically deceptive trademark, Toddler Copenhagen. Again, be really careful about using those descriptive terms in your trademarks, especially if you're just starting out. That's a road that you don't have to go down. So I can understand like if you've used a trademark for several years and you want to try to file it, see if you can get it through. It's totally, totally understandable. But just keep in mind that you possibly will run into problems with a geographic term in your trademark. So if you're just starting out, think about what other awesome um, terms you could possibly use as part of your trademark. If you have found this of value, make sure you share it with your friends and make sure you go to my website, which is www.theprivatelabellawyer.com. There is a checklist there for you of brand protection tips, and I would love for you to go grab that, and hopefully it can help you with your e-commerce and private label business. And again, if you have a trailblazing trademark, please let me know. I'd love to talk about it and give you a shout out. So, Well, that's all for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you loved it and I hope you found it of value. Now, are you ready to learn about how you too can create your very own trailblazing trademark for your private label business? Well, good news. I have developed my very own brand creation blueprint called the Trademark Trailblazer. If you or anyone you know is about to go down the road of brand name creation, The Trademark Trailblazer is the exclusive blueprint I use when creating strong brand names 
from both the legal and marketing perspective for my clients. So make sure you go to trademarkquickstart.com to grab my free brand name creation trademark trailblazer quick start bundle today. And remember, never stop learning. Thanks for listening to Trademarks Made Easy with Susie Hickson, the private label lawyer. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe anywhere you find podcasts or at theprivatelabellawyer.com. Remember, the information provided in the Trademarks Made Easy podcast should not be construed as legal advice. It's for informational and entertainment purposes only. It should not be considered a substitute for legal advice. Also, I'm not your attorney. You should engage with an attorney to discuss your specific legal issues. And finally, while I have taken precautions to ensure that the content of my podcast is current and accurate, errors can occur. And thankfully, like us, the laws are ever evolving.